Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. David, it's yes, so good. To- so good to see you. Uh, congratulations on getting through 2020. Not an easy thing, man. It's been a, a real trial of my life to do this. I, I, I think it's an accomplishment if we make it all the way through. And that's just this this conversation, you mean, right? Like you don't mean you mean or oh, the whole year? I'm sorry, I thought you meant just talking to me. Yeah, <laughs> this will be the low point of 2020 for you. I can make it through the conversation. <laughs> 2020, you know, it's, it's been a mixed blessing, man. I, there are some things about it that were you know, unexpected benefits. I, like being home and, and not getting to tour, which is driving me crazy, has uh, improved my relationship with my kid substantially. So, you know, how, how do you balance the value there? I, I think that's really more valuable than even going on the road. There hasn't been much to be happy about, uh, I, I have to say. It's been grim. It's, uh, it's been incredible for me how like so much shittiness happening at once. This year began with Kobe Bryant dying and then it got bad and bad and bad. For me though, like I have found, I would like, I'm like you in a way because I was planning to spend my whole year on the road. It was election year. So every weekend I had planned my whole, the future of my finances around being on tour every weekend. And I think for a lot of folks who aren't performers and don't live on the road, there's, there's no way they can understand how like, I mean, you remember being on airplanes, David? Like, yeah. I remember being there, but I remember being on buses too. I, yeah. It's very strange, man, not to be able to go out and work. For me, I've been doing it every summer of my life since my 20s. And I'm 79 years old now. It's, it's, uh, it's very weird not to be able to go out and work. I, I, I'm having, it takes everything I've got to keep on track and not get upset and not be just devastated by not being able to work. The magic trick then that happens when when you can connect with an audience, yeah, you can break the fourth wall, you know, and and drag them in, tell them the story, take them along your your little voyage. That's magic to me. That's like what I was built to do. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, it's very hard not to be able to do it. It's very hard. I was thinking about this because the the music you've made and the harmonies you sung have been where where so many people my whole lifetime have have turned to for comfort, right? And your new music is, you know, I always say that I think the last four or five solo albums you've done are just so solid. You know, everyone needs to hear them all the time. It's it's very therapeutic. But I'm wondering if during this time, 
of inaction if being able to create and some of the melodies you've made has that been therapeutic for you because you've made some beautiful music during lockdown you know the new song for free is this gorgeous duet and and i'm wondering if that's been something that's helped keep you sane yes you know it's it's really the only thing that i that i have uh aside from my family to hold on to is being able to record stuff and i don't get paid for it in a way, that's kind of pure. I, I, I didn't start recording songs to make money. So winding up in a situation where I don't make money off of any of my songs, well, okay, I can handle it. It's not good, but, but it, it's really interesting. That thing for free. <laughs> I, I'm like, I really love Sarah Rose's playing and singing, right? And so I told her that. And I said, I'd love to sing with you sometime. She said, I'd love to sing with you too. Let's just do it. And I said, well, okay, why don't we just do something just for fun? And that really resonated with her and me both. We've always done projects, you know, that were part of our ongoing career. And to do something that absolutely didn't have a, a, a venue, it didn't have a, a place to be, it, it wasn't going to make any money for anybody, it wasn't going to be sold anywhere. We thought that was kind of fun, to do something just for the fun of it. Yeah. And I said, well, what do you want to sing? She said, I don't know. I said, well, what's your favorite song? And I said, uh, I know. Let's do Joni's for free. I've done and recorded a couple of times, and I love it. She said, I love that song. Let's do it. And uh, I asked James to listen to how Joni plays it on, on the keyboard, and he did. And he came up with a brilliant, brilliant piano part, and, which made me sing it differently than I ever have. And then we sent it off to Sarah, and she sent it back with that harmony on it which is like a lesson in how to sing harmony. And uh, I don't know, it just, it thrilled me, you know, because it, it was such a, an innocent thing. We just did it for fun, you know? And uh, so I, that kind of resonates throughout the whole record. You'll, you'll see. It's, yeah. Well, it sounded, I, I, it, it sounded like a great album, like a great, a great song actually for the time, because there is, there's a real vulnerability to it. And there's so much hope to it. And it's one of the most intimate things I've heard all year. Uh, I mean, I, that's what I turn to your music for anyway, this feeling that the artist is actually in the room with you. You you always make it a small room, if you know what I'm saying. I'm trying, man. I really, <laughs> uh, I love you, John. I, I love it when, when it succeeds in reaching you. Uh, yeah. that's, the, yeah, that's the name of the game. That's what we're trying to do. I mean, Duke Ellington said, if it sounds good, it is. And uh, there it is, man. And Duke knew. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you were really the one who taught me the most, David, that so many artists, so many, as they're called, classic rock artists always expected that they would have a pension, uh, you know, with record royalties. And then, of course, streaming changed the entire world. And that's why artists are touring and doing so many live gigs. And it seems like you it seems like it's been painful to not be on the road. But at the same time, you've still grown well, as an artist and you've still been creating and, and deepening yeah. your relationships. The road is just how we've always done it, you know, and so to be cut off from it is, is brutal, man. But it's, it's hard for everybody to be cut off from their life. Everybody in the country is cut off from their previous life. We are all having to change how we live right now in order to survive, in order to not die from this damn disease. Yeah. And yeah. that's a very weird circumstance. You know, I could have dealt with it uh, pretty easily if the COVID hadn't come along and changed uh, the equation so drastically. I, I, you think you're going to get to work next summer? 
in some way, you know, I mean, my, my year was spent uh, making videos to put on the internet and doing radio out of my, out of my uh, TV room in my apartment here in New York City. Uh, I, I, I think there's a chance, I mean, I think some live venues will be open by, by next summer. There'll be some avenues for live performance here and there. I think it's going to depend on the region. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I love Van Morrison, but Van Morrison scared me, David. Uh, <laughs> I, I always liked the crazy side of Van the Man, but now I don't even understand what's going on here. I know bands need to work, but at the same time, you know, artists are not touring because they care about the audience, because they care about their own health, and they're trying to stop having spreader events. It's it's a noble thing, but it's especially painful for an artist who has to do this both to make a living and to live. Yeah, but I, I don't think there's any question in anybody's mind that that we're doing the right thing. Look, it's like wearing a mask, man. I hate the damn mask. I wear it every day. I oh, hate it. Wow. I wear it all the time. We can't we can't get people together to have uh, audiences to have gigs yet. Next summer, maybe, you know, I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I, I've got a, you know, I'm, I'm got my hopes up more for the country surviving, uh, which I think is more important than me surviving. I think we stand a chance now to get past this episode politically uh, that's been so devastating uh, and, and try to rebuild the democracy here. But it is in severe trouble. There are people really trying hard to take it down and that's a bad thing. I, I don't know, if, I still don't know if we're gonna make it as a country much further down the road, but I know I'm gonna keep trying to help it you know, happen, I love it. I mean, at the, we're at the end of the year and there's been so much loss and so much suffering. Um, there will be a new government in Washington. We just saw that for the first time a, a First Nations woman is going to be in the cabinet. Our new Secretary of the Interior is going to be a First Nations woman who was cooking meals for activists at Standing Rock. And I mean, she'll be turning down all the, you know, uh, fossil fuel companies that want to dig up tribal lands. They're good. This vaccine maybe may actually save a lot of lives. I mean, at the end of the year, it does really seem a lot more hopeful than it yeah, did it six months ago or even two months ago. Yes, it does. And, and you and I need it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the country needs it. Uh, everybody needs to have some hope. And it is, it is looking better. I have to say it is looking better. I think, I don't know. I, 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 I'm apprehensive, but at the same time, I'm hopeful. Let me throw some numbers at you about this election, okay? Uh, Donald Trump is the first impeached president to lose the popular vote two times. Uh, more people voted against Donald Trump this year than have ever voted against any political candidate in the history of the country. The year is ending with two new blue senators in Arizona and possibly, quite probably, two new blue senators in Georgia. Black women have saved democracy yet again a vaccine is on the way, and a baby panda was born at the National Zoo. Is hope rational? Is hope logical? Uh, is hope logical? Hope's never really logical, man, but it's certainly, I think we can reach out for it now. There's a, there's a reasonable chance of, of a hopeful outcome now. The thing that gives me the, the most hope, man, is that everybody got their asses up and voted, you know? That's how you save this country. That's how you save this wonderful idea of democracy. And God knows we've tried everything else, John. We've tried every kind of dictator. We've tried juntas. We've tried religion. You know, we've tried royalty of every sort. 
and none of them give the little guy a shot. That's yeah. why I love democracy, because it gives the little guy, a, you know, what's the what's the stealing the end line? And the sidewalks are safe for the little guy. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the heart of democracy for me. Well, I think it's also the heart of, of real artists as well. I mean, you know, I've always thought the music you've made with your various bandmates has always been, yeah, it's about a groove, it's about a feeling, but, you know, it's always been about the morality of love. I've always said to you that I think you guys really, really did help stop the Vietnam War. And it was people and artists and activists who did it and government officials who eventually wised up. I mean, when you look at how much a movement then from citizens up helped change the world, how do you feel we're doing now? I, I have no memory of that era, but I'm wondering what you think when you see the kind of mixed results, but results we've seen in the last couple of months. I don't know. I have no memory of that era either, man. I can't figure out why. I just, uh, <laughs> I think we're getting results, man. You know, I, I have to believe that, John. I, I have to believe that we can affect the outcome here, and I have to believe in democracy because it, it's my hope for a decent world. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to keep on believing in it. I, I think we are in a very tough situation. We've got a lot of real bad actors out there in the world. Uh, we just had one of them for president who really didn't want to do anything for anybody except himself. But I, I think it is going to improve. I'll tell you, the, one of the things that I think is going to change right away, man, uh, for me and all the other pot smokers, is that it's going to go legal. Yeah. And, um, you know, you normally pay in your taxes to the federal government, and some of that money has always come down a pipeline from the federal government to the state governments for health, education, and welfare stuff. That pipeline has always been constricted, and uh, and it's even more constricted now because they don't want to send money down. This particular federal government doesn't want to send money down to any black people or any brown people or any young people or any old people or any people except themselves, really. So the pipe is constricted, and at the bottom are all the states in the union looking at Colorado and Oregon who can buy a school or a road or a hospital today. And the check ain't going to bounce. That's right. Now, there's That's a two free, kinds free of politicians. Yeah, there's two kinds of politicians, right? There's the kind that want that, and this is billions in, in a, with the B in tax money. There's the kind of politicians who want that because they can do it, they can use it to help the people that elected them, the very right. thing that they were supposed to do. Right. There's the other kind of politicians who know they will be able to scrape some off the bottom and steal it. Either way, all the politicians in the country are going to want to do this, no matter what kind of posturing and posing they've been doing, they're going to want to do this for the money, and they're going to do it, and then it's going to go legal. Now, that's going to ease up the problems with the police. The police want to have to waste time on victimless crime. That's it's right. going to ease up the problem with the courts, where you cannot get that speedy trial that you have a, a right. constitutional right to. It's going to make cops' lives easier, too. Absolutely. And it's going to ease the pressure in the prisons where they really need to lower the population. And this will. Nobody should be in prison for smoking pot. It's That's like right. drinking beer and wine. It's nothing to it. And that that will change. The categorization of it will change. The legal situation will change. And that'll be a major plus, you know, for a whole segment of the population that we, we like to smoke pot. We don't think there's anything wrong with it. And we're pretty sure about that now. After 50 years of doing it, I'm pretty damn sure. 
I mean, I mean, you know, like this year, four states decriminalized cannabis. Mississippi went for medicinal. I mean, I'm talking to you from New York. Now in New York, we have to say that Jersey and like like Montana are ahead of us. You know how embarrassing that is for these snobby yeah, New Yorkers, really? David Crosby. <laughs> like like when you think about it, uh, it I say. Me up New York always likes to be number one in everything. Oh, they, yeah. They pretty much are at a whole lot of shit. Oh, right? yeah. That's why, you know, hey, we were the epicenter of the pandemic over here. You hear the sirens right now? We're number one in deaths and infections. I mean, yeah, as long <laughs> as we're on top. But like, you know, I always say legal weed is the conservative point of view. When, when they made it illegal in the 1930s, the American Medical Association officially went on the record in D.C. against it because they knew it was a natural painkiller. And back in colonial days, you know, it was used as a painkiller. I mean, the biggest drug problem in the colonies was the same as now, alcohol. But back then, cannabis was as American as apple pie, and everyone knew if you smoked the top part of the plant, you'd want to eat a lot of apple pie. You know what I'm saying? It's been here for a long, long time. They just, yeah. the government wanted to throw people in prison 100 years ago, and we're paying the price still. Yeah, and we know which people they wanted to throw in prison, too. Jazz musicians. Yeah, I, I think how I think it's going to change. That's that's a potential for some really you know blessings in my life and in the lives of a whole lot of the young people in the country because everybody in the entire country tried pot in high school and they most of you most of us liked it, you know. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. There are a lot of things that could go better, man. There are many uh, many really really forward thinking people trying really hard to drag the human race into the next frame, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think one of the big changes that's coming is uh, Elon is going to get his uh, satellites up and, uh, and the internet's going to change for all of us. I think so too. I was curious. I, Go ahead, please. Well, I, I, I'm wondering, you know, the people that provide internet to us all now, I, I'm wondering what they're thinking, you know, did they, did they realize their world is about to end? <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's wondering if their world is about to end right now, I, I think. Well, no, but I mean, he, he is putting the satellites up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're I mean, out there. And so it, it is going to happen. We are going to have internet from above. And all those companies, <laughs> they're doomed. Oh, I know. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting worried about water in 20 years. But now internet, too. I'll tell you an interesting guy to read about water. He's a friend of mine named Jeff Goodell. He writes about climate change for Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. G-O-O-D-E-L-L. -L. Good man. He wrote, a, he wrote one called The Water Will Come. Yes. Uh, about Florida. Mm -hmm. Fascinating uh, stuff, man. He, he's, he's a good writer on it. I recommend it highly. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.edu. 
www.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I'm John Fugel saying this is Progress After Dark. I got to ask you the technology question, and thank you for talking to me for so long, David. I'm so grateful. I'm so honored. Uh, it's so good to see your face, but it is great to see your face because we're using Zoom, and I'm wondering, you know, you probably have had to do a lot more in terms of learning new technologies than the average 79-year-old American because you're still an artist who's, you know, creating new work. How have you evolved technologically this year? Are there stuff you're using now that you weren't using before? Yeah, this particular thing is I'm doing a lot. I, I uh, because it's a you know I keep get people keep asking me you know uh, to do interviews because uh, I'm so opinionated and um, also since the Rolling Stone thing of asking me you know ask Cross yeah you know about that right that's oh I loved it we talked about it. yeah it's great it's well, great well it's getting more silly man okay so Rolling Stone calls me up and says we want you to do an advice column so I say you're out of your freaking mind nobody. I'm a noted lunatic. No one is going to ask me for advice about anything. And they say, that's why it's funny. Exactly. We want yeah. you to do it. So I've done it for well, like a year now. I've done like four or five of them. I and love I it. I love it. It's, it's really great. fun to do. Uh, uh, well, as they're been trying good? to give me a show, man. They're trying to give me a show where I do it on, on air for a half hour. Keep you your fingers crossed. If I get it, I'm going to call you and ask you to tell me everything about how to do a show. I'll, definitely, definitely. I've always wanted to pitch a show with you. You're one of the best uh, talkers, you know, in the music business because you're one of the most fearless professionals. I mean, you you have always kept your independent streak and you've always kept, you know, the spirit alive. And it's like, that's why I think you are a great person because I, who wants to talk to a perfect person with a PhD? I'd rather talk to a great artist who's fucked up and come back to tell the tale and grown wiser and more graceful and keeps on making beautiful music. So I love how you talk. Well, hey, I'm, I'm available <laughs> for a modest fee. Um, l- let me ask you though this question. I've been, I, I got through the fall, I, lis- I was listening to a lot of John Coltrane walking around New York City in my mask. And uh, that's what kept me sane. You know, like different things have kept me sane at different times of years. And um, for some reason, this fall, John Coltrane really helped me a lot. And I'm wondering, as someone who has given so much inspiration to so many people, David, what are some things during this year of plague that have inspired you, that have turned you on, that have made you want to spark up? Several pieces of art have actually lifted me considerably. Uh, one is this girl, Sarah Jarose, that, that did that for free record with me. Her record mm-hmm. is called uh, Life on the Ground. Uh, I've been listening to a lot. The record that she made also with her friends, Aoife O'Donovan and, and, uh, and Sarah Watkins, they have a band called I'm With Her. They made a record also earlier in the year that was absolutely wonderful. Jason Isbell has Love been a, 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 a real lift for me because he, he's a really good writer. He writes real songs about real stuff. And yeah. that's, that's been lacking in country music. You know, uh, they, they've moved in so hard towards pop that uh, they, a lot of the country stuff got pretty shallow. And, and here's this guy writing about real stuff, man. He, yeah. made, he made me cry a couple of times, which is yeah. hard to do. I'm a jaded old guy. He's been quite an experience for me. His music's been really good for me this year. Uh, what else have I reached out for? I've listened a lot. I have listened a lot to jazz. I've listened to my favorite, you know, I'm, I'm a big John Coltrane fan like yeah. you, but uh, also uh, Miles Davis. But I, I listened a lot to Weather Report, mm-hmm. Heavy Weather. 
Yeah. Heavy Weather's one of my favorite records. It's it's in my top ten records. And I I I went back and listened to some weather report. I, they just spoke to me heavily. David, promise me you'll keep taking walks and take good care of yourself because I need to see you on the road next year when you're 80. Okay, you've taken a year off. You've been lazy, and uh, I need to see you back. I will open for you in any venue, but uh, I can't wait to see you back on the road doing what you're meant to do when we're all able to come out again. And um, I personally would like to thank myself for doing the first interview where no one's ever asked you about a fucking reunion with other guys. I hope yeah, I, I hope you appreciate Woodstock, that. Either one. <laughs> I hope you, do you appreciate. I hope you appreciate that, David. I, uh, I only, really only I have do. done. <laughs> I really do, John. <laughs> the stuff you're doing now is too interesting. Who cares about the past? I love what you're doing now. I love what the I future too, holds. I, I really do. I feel the same way. I love you, John. Take care of yourself. Cross, thank you so much. It's so good to see you. You're. This is the closest I get to seeing Santa this year. Is you. So thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Peace. Inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame over 10 years ago, one of the social consciences of America, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame two times, deserves to be a third time. He's heard me say it many times. Mr. Crosby is 79 years old, and I'm telling you, the last four records, Cros, Lighthouse, Sky Trails, and Here If You Listen, the last four solo records are so gorgeous, it will make you never give a damn. If there's a reunion with anybody, his towering influence it's like the Big Bang. It is still expanding. He is in the news as of late. He is always in the news for some reason. Uh, but I will tell you right now, two reasons to get excited. The upcoming 50th anniversary edition of David's first solo album, If I Could Only Remember My Name, which features members of The Dead and Jefferson Airplane, among many other luminaries. Last night, we had Steve Silberman here talking about it. And David's new album is coming out later this summer. And I could be mistaken, but I'm looking online and I am seeing concert dates for 2021 on for the man himself, people of Earth, welcome back, David Crosby. <laughs> you you got to tone it down. Yes, son. Yeah. Even if they we're dating. Listen, after your jokes about micro penis earlier today, man, you're lucky that I, I I did it like that. I said to I write to the man. I say, what do you want to talk about? He says, oh, we can talk about your micro penis for the whole segment. I'm like, all right, I'll bring in some of your ex girlfriends <laughs> as character witnesses. I think it was your minuscule penis. Min oh, sorry, minuscule. I was thinking yeah. of the last president. That's why I said micro penis. Sorry, I get confused. Yeah, of course you did. Naturally. <laughs> yeah, naturally. I miss you, John. How are you? I miss you so much, David. I'm going to be out in L.A. for the summer, and I wanted to come up and see you, and then I realized you might not be there because you have dates on sale. Are you planning on being on the road? No. No, huh? Yeah, Not yet. I hate to bring you down, John. I, I don't want to introduce a, a, a negative element here, but no, I do not think I'm going to get to go on the road again. I think I probably, I mean, I never say never, right? That's that's the smart way to deal with it. But I, I don't, it's not looking real good for it. I, I, I'm turning 80 this summer. I okay, know. That's, that's, that's the big, you know, uh, deciding factor is the clock. My hands are going. I, I'm um, I got tendonitis in both hands, and it's uh, it's pretty well. I had an operation on them and that didn't work, and they, they did another operation. It's not looking real good. I'm down to about seventy five percent of what I was able to do with my hands, and it, it's deteriorating. So mm. that's one factor. I could get somebody else to play my parts, but I don't have a lot of stamina. I mm. certainly could not do a bus a bus tour. I might be able to do like 
residencies someplace, right. but I'd have right. to teach my guitar parts to somebody else. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to do it again. I, uh, I got to tell you, it's a very tough readjustment. It's not, you know, I love being home with my family for the summer. The first summer in 50 years I've been home with my family. I'm loving that. But I really miss playing, and it is a very tough readjustment to do. Now, I've wow. done a couple of very tough readjustments, so I, I believe I can, you know, do this. But it is certainly not easy. Not, I understand. Not, uh, not easy at all. I mean, we've talked a lot during this pandemic lockdown, David, and um, you have been very, very kind and called us up a lot. We were doing this every week at one point last summer, and I think you helped save a lot of our listeners' sanity. I got to hand it to you. I know how hard it was for you, but you have continued to make beautiful music. The last time you were here, we were playing for free your your beautiful cover, and, and I'm so excited for the new record. How has it been for you recording while dealing with the problems with playing? Well... You know, I when I'm making records with with my son James, that's the Sky Trails band. It's me and James, yeah. uh, and whoever we decide to work with, because we have a lot of really good friends. Uh, <laughs> boy, did we get hook in some great people for this one! Oh yeah, I'm I'm feeling okay about it. I I I, I think once we get this record out, I'm I'm going to feel a lot better. I, I it, it you know I won't feel kind of like I've been shut down. I, there's some great people on it, man. I finally conned Donald Fagan out of a set of lyrics, and, <laughs> uh, and uh, we wrote it. We we completely steely steely damned ourselves into the middle distance on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael McDonald wrote a tune with, with us and sang on it. It's fantastic song. So I've been asking James to write it as a single for a long time, and he did. Uh, absolutely, it's called River Rise, and um, there's a lot of stuff. It, the last thing that we did for the record was I did a duet with Sarah Jaros on yes. uh, Joni's for Free. That's the third time I've recorded Joni's for Free. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sarah and I just had a thing. You'll you'll hear it. It's it's spectacular. I'm excited. I'm so excited. I mean, well, I have to send it to you, John. I meant to do it uh, last time we spoke, and I haven't done it. And I will. I will send you the record. I'd love to hear it. I mean, I love I, I love what I've heard so far. And honestly, I'm I'm always happy to talk about the songs and who you're collaborating with and, you know, when and how you're you're recording. I got to say, it's been a very interesting year for you. And I know that the lockdown was really hard. You are someone who lives on the road and and you were boy, you were a good friend to me last year because I had three tours planned. I thought, oh, my God. Donald Trump's up for president. This is going to pay the bills for me for a while. And then, boom, everything yeah. was shut down. Was the best thing ever happened to comedy. Poof, well, yeah. But not, <laughs> I guess. not a great thing for the rest of us. No, it turns out there's other ways to there's other 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 shit is funny other than him. I was very very happy to lose all that material, David. I can't even tell you. Yeah. I bet but, you were, man. I I I I you know, uh I'm real happy to leave that material behind myself. Yeah, yeah, but I want to thank you because you were such a I mean, you were such a warrior. You've always done this and I I've always said this to you that I I really do think that you guys helped end the Vietnam War and I think that celebrity might be the dumbest thing humans have ever created. And so when I see artists like yourself who have taken that capital and used it to fight fascists, to fight racists, to fight these bastards, to fight for empathy and love, it it, it really just inspires me to keep on going on and and I got to imagine it it just feels like a different world for you 
now that these rat bastards have lost power, at least for now? At least temporarily. They've lost some of it. You got to remember, it's about forty percent of the country is still, you know, saying they're not going to take the vaccine, and they and yeah. you can't make them wear a mask. You know, my right to not. Ah, uh, well. Oh yeah. You know, the hey, pro-life people, so, David. You know, the pro-life people. Ever, John, did you ever uh, see any of these ones that I've been doing in Rolling Stone, the Ask Cross? I love it. It's 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 fantastic. You saw it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just did another one. And it, it, it's here's the fun part. I, I think I'm I don't know for sure. There's some people saying they want to give me a TV show doing that. It's brilliant. I think you should. <laughs> well, it's be the easiest job in the world. Just sit there and be opinionated <laughs> with a camera. <laughs> I, I can do that. Listen, if you want listen, if you want someone to, to help you structure it, I would do it in a day with, with you because I'd love to do a TV show with you. I just think you are someone who's able to just be in the moment and you are really a bridge. You know, there's a lot of guys your age, as you know, artists that we both love who just don't have their finger on the pulse the way you do right now. And it's the fearlessness, I think, that, you know, uh, scares people. But it's what inspires me. John, you got to You got to tone it down. You can't say any more nice stuff. Let's 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 just for well for like fifteen minutes. Just call me asshole and and touch me. <laughs> and, and hey, listen, I've like never been in a band with you, David. Okay, I've, I'll acknowledge that I've never been in a band with you. So I, I come at this from a different point of view. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. True. Um, what I, else is news? Uh, well, what, what's new is that since the last time we talked is, is that you have joined uh, this very exclusive club of artists who have sold your songwriting and publishing. And um, yeah. that was really amazing to hear. I know that you had a lot of concerns well, in the pandemic, not able to go out there on the road. And uh, I wanted to ask you, what was the what was the thought process that went into that? OK, well, I used to have two sources of income, right? Uh, yeah. Records and touring uh, records. Well, streaming doesn't pay it, so record money is gone. That's half my income, gone. And that's not going to change, believe me. They're making billions for the B, and they're not going to give it up. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to pay artists properly. That's never going to come back. So I wanted to try and be a good guy and think, well, I should be grateful. I can still play live and take care of my family, pay the rent, and all that, you know. And bang, here comes COVID, and I can't do that anymore. I only had one asset. That's my publishing. So I'm grateful, you know, to uh, Irving uh, that I could do a deal with him. Uh, you know, and we've known each other for a very long time. He called me today, actually. You know, it's it's not what I would have chosen. I wanted to hang on to my publishing. I, I never sold it because I didn't ever want to sell it, ever. It's the only thing I created that I own. But this it's sort of my retirement. It's sort of, you know, how I live now uh, is off of that money. And I'm grateful that it was there and I'm grateful I did the deal wouldn't have been my first choice, but it certainly bailed me out of a situation where I was actually looking at losing my home. Now it's paid off. And that's a really great feeling. I was really glad to hear it because, you know, it was a stressful time and God knows you were the first one to really explain to me how a lot of artists really thought they had a pension and, and, you know, went through the eighties and nineties thinking they had a pension and then suddenly streaming came and, and took it all away, which by the yeah. way, is why I appreciate all the more that, you know, you'll put all the work into this reissue of your first record. Um, cause you're not doing it for the mm-hmm. money. You're doing it for the love and the music and, and for the fans. I, I've been dying to ask you about the whole process of, of having the 50 year re-release of, if I can only remember my name, it's, um, 
it's so amazing and inspiring that you're doing it. We had on our, our mutual friend, Steve Silberman, last night, who's writing some of the liner notes for you and was pitching some of the uh, bonus tracks. How does it feel to be looking at 50 years since this beautiful record was first uh, released? It feels weird, John. <laughs> it's weird being old. Uh, it's a tough thing to adjust to. But, you know, I'm in this very strange space. I'm not hurting. And I'm and nothing's broken. And, uh, you know, that's that's sort of a, a, a really odd period of time. I'm I'm kind of at a loss as to what to do with myself. You know, I've been looking around mm-hmm. for things to do. But you know what I've been doing? I've been writing on uh, I've been writing uh, on a movie. I've been writing. Oh, yeah. Trying to learn how to write a screenplay. Yeah, I've got one in my head that I've had for a long time. Did I ever tell you the story about 15? No. Well, remind me to. Okay. Sorry about the 15th Dalai Lama, and um, I think you'd love it. Yeah. So I've been working on that, and I've been, I got this record, and it's, Jesus, James and I killed it on this record, man. Uh, it's it's already mastered and ready to go, and they're, they're, they are having some kind of delay with getting the vinyl done uh, because of COVID. I, that's yeah, I, 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 I thought the record was going to be out in May, right? But now it's going to be July? Well, that's what I told everybody, because that's what they told me, but now, hopefully July. Hopefully, July. And this is, you recorded with the same band from Skytrails, right? No, this is recorded with a bunch of different people. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when James and I go to make a record, and we are we are the Skytrails band, it's me and James. Uh, on the road, it's me and James and Jeff Pivar and, and my lease and Stevie DeStanislaw and, uh, and uh, Michelle Willis. She's in both the bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the studio, it's just me and James and, and whoever we want, because uh, we, we know so many fantastic musicians, we can't not use them. So it's, it's I got to send it to you, man. I, if I'd I talk about it, it I'm, blowing my, I'm blowing my own horn, and, and it sounds bad for me to you know say how fantastic I am. <laughs> but you can say it, and it, it'll be okay. But that that's what impresses me, David, though, is because, like, you know, we've talked about this a lot. This has been a horrible year. I mean, you can't play live and you can record music, but no one's going to pay you to record music. And yet you mm-hmm. have still kept sharp. And it, it seems like it hasn't impacted your creativity that you've just, you know, kept busy and stayed creative. And he not busy being born is busy dying. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. And one of my favorite lines and, you know, and exactly the truth. There's there's a bunch of good good news in in my world, man. Somebody I think has written a comedy or is writing a comedy that of, that's about me mm-hmm. that I might get to be in. That would be funny. Nice. Um, I'm looking for stuff to do, you know, but it's a uh, it's a tough readjustment because uh, I I've been on the road every summer of my entire life yeah. until now, and to not go it's like odd. It's odd. It's it, I've been having fun being home, you know, going down to the pool and swimming. Playing with the dogs, right. loving my wife, right? my son, but I miss being on the road, yeah. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. Welcome back. I'm excited that because you mentioned that uh, Donald Fagan had given you some lyrics for this and that you and, uh, and James had worked on that. Yeah. He's, you know, Donald is a really fascinating guy, man. He does not wear his heart on his sleeve, right? He's, he's, uh, he's mysterious. And I, 
I have been wanting to befriend him, you know, ever since I knew that he existed because I love his art. I think yeah. he, he only danced my favorite band, and he's one of my favorite writers and singers and players. Um, I just, uh, I'm finishing my dinner while I'm talking to you. Hey, it's, I'm, that's, that's, I'm glad you're comfortable. <laughs> I take back all the nice things I said. Go on, go on, please. So I, I have been wanting to, you know, ask him if he had, you know, if he would write with me, uh, and that would have been, you know, like a major honor. And he, finally he sent us a set of words, and uh, it's a really good set of words, so we, we did our level best. I think you're going to love it. I think, you know, I might even try. I've talked to, I've been talking to Michael League and Becca and Michelle, and they want to do another Lighthouse record, which I would love to do, but Michael lives in, in Spain now. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, maybe we could meet up in New York. Maybe. I don't know about getting on an airplane, man. I really don't. Are you going to fly out or drive out? I'm going to fly out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly out, but, you know, I'm going to have had all my shots by then, and I'm going to wrap my family in, in gauze before I get on a plane. But, yeah, I'm going to fly out, you know, on a Tuesday morning when no one else is on the plane. You know how it is. You okay with wearing a mask for five hours? Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, I got a, really? I got a third grader who wears a mask for his whole day in school. If, if that little punk can do it, I can do it for a flight. I never met your third grader. No, you met him. You came over, you came over to our apartment one time, and he, he was a lot I know, younger then. I don't remember meeting the kid. Oh, I got a picture of you with the kid. He was, uh, he was pretty excited really? to meet you. Yeah, I, I got a picture oh, of you and Jan. Yeah. Did I have a good time? Yeah, oh, you had a very good time. Yeah. <laughs> that was Frank Conniff's birthday. That was Frank Conniff's birthday party, and he's never stopped bragging about you showing up at his birthday party. So <laughs> I remember that. It was a fun afternoon. Yeah, well, thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, Trayvon Free was there, a lot of great comics. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, I'm such a huge fan of your wife, too. That was really just to get her over. That was really all I cared about. Um, you know, I want to ask you, though, something. <laughs> I want, I, want, I want to ask you about this reissue because I'm very curious. I know you began recording the first solo record in 1970. I'm wondering what your life was like when you began this record that's now having its 50-year anniversary. Was this when you were living on the sailboat in Sausalito? Yes. Yes, I was living on the sailboat in Sausalito, and I was in heaven. We were making deja vu, and I was pretty excited and we were driving into the studio every day and it was really good and then my girlfriend took the cast for the vet and head on the bus and was killed yeah and um so what where i was at when i made that record was i was devastated i was like an open wound and uh what you hear a lot of on that record is my friends nurturing me, gathering me, and doing the one thing that I could do in the one place that I felt safe. I was in the studio, and in the midst of a song, I did not feel the pain. I could do something else. And so they would come, and we would work. And, um, you know, music, we think of it as salvation. We think of it as joy. We think of it as as incredible way to transmit ideas but it's also medicine it's also it uh it saved my life man absolutely making that record saved my life i don't think there's any question about it i mean it's it's i think it's a very spiritual record and i think that you know we've talked about this that the simple act of creativity is a spiritual path if you want to view it that way and when you say friends helping you out i mean we're, we're talking about you know jerry garcia and grace slick and 
Paul Kantner of the airplane, who was one of our first guests when we launched this show. And, and I know Graham as well. I mean, you had people, these great artists who loved you and, and were there for you creatively. And Tons of them. I mean, it's a lot of, it's a really you know, it's a funny, soul I just record. saw Phil Lesh. I, I just ran into Phil. He was down here in Santa Barbara and I saw, I spent the day with him and uh, we were talking about making that record. And there were, there were a ton of people. I remember uh, Cassidy played some beautiful stuff. Phil played, played some beautiful stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, Michael Shreve played on it. Uh, uh, who's the keyboard, keyboard player in in Carlos's band? Uh, oh. one, famous guy. Uh, he um, played on it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's was a ton of people, and it was really just... It was an amazingly organic thing, man. I mean, people would show... And I had all these songs because Deja Vu only took two songs, right? Right. And uh, I would, whoever showed up that night was was the band, and I would sing them a song, and then we'd sing it and play it and see what happened. And that's what happened. Yeah. What was the influence of uh, Jerry Garcia's presence in those sessions? Enormous. You know that that's true of him in in any case. If he walks into a room, every musician in the room is plugged in right that minute. We're all, it, it's, he's, he was a magical guy, man. It was a thing that happened every time he and I would start to play anything. Remember the beginning of Kids and Dogs, that song? Mm-hmm. Where he, he and I are playing a game, right? We're playing a note, one note each. And yeah. we don't know which note we're going to play next, or we don't know what note the other guy's going to play next. But it's on a pulse, like one, two, three, play, one, two, three, play, you know, and completely don't know what note's coming up. And we do it like three, four times, and then we hit one that's so spectacular, Jerry starts laughing. You heard that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's at the beginning of, of Kids and Dogs. Well, that's what happened every time he and I would sit down and play, every time we would touch our guitar, every time I would, you know, try to write a song. It was magical. He was wide open and on, fully on. I believe it. I mean, the album is an album of healing. And I mean, it, you know, to me, it's just, just hearing you talk about it. I mean, anyone who's struggling with loss, anyone who's struggling with just the devastation of losing someone, especially after a year like this. I mean, to me, this record is just proof positive that you can turn to creativity, to that magic that's inside all of us, and you can find a way to turn that pain into gold. I think so, yeah. It's not easy, but I think so, yeah. We're lucky in that we have a creative outlet. You know, writing uh, is it's wonderful. You know, thinking up things to say to people, thinking up things to sing to them. That's, we're, we've got an enormous gift, man. Yeah. I mean, I'd swear there was somebody here. It's just, you know, <laughs> I know I know you wrote it very quickly, but it's just, the, the it, to me, it's it's... What, how many, there's like six different people singing on that song, right? To me, it's like a, a church song. I've always, I've always thought it was, you know, a hymn, really. I think a lot of your stuff is jazz and soul music, but that one has always been a hymn to me. It might be. I just was missing her right then, and it was very intense, and, you know, I was very high. And, uh, and I started messing around with the echo chamber. Yeah, they, Wally's had a, Wally Eiders had a, a live chamber, a spectacular one, really good, real echo. And I started fucking with it, and uh, then I realized I was into something, and I did six vocals in a row. It took about fifteen minutes, 
and it's all improvised. It's all just off the top of my head. I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I think it might be the best piece of music I ever thought of. It's so beautiful. I mean, and it's just, I don't know. I, I draw a lot of inspiration from it, you know, to this day, because I know what you were going through when you did. And I mean, also, you know, what's the, what's, I, I didn't know this, but the, there is a song, of course, um, that <laughs> laughing that, um, I never knew this, but that was inspired by, by George, right? Well, I thought I told you that story. I don't think so. No. uh, Well, it was inspired by George's contact with the Maharishi. Okay. So I'll give you the short version of the story. When the birds went to London, uh, we met up with those guys and they were extremely nice to us. Uh, They liked us because we were not, you know, the usual thing. Uh, And uh, we were trying to break all the rules and stuff. And they liked that a lot. Uh, and our music was good. Uh, and I became friends with George. Now, I had just been turned on to Ravi Shankar, and I had a Ravi Shankar record in my suitcase. And I gave it to George. Now, what George told me later was that I had turned him on to Indian music. Truthfully, I don't think so. I think probably other people did as well. Uh, but that's what he did tell me. And uh, Olivia told me that that's what he told her, too. So I don't know. It's possible. In any case, it had repercussions because he liked Indian music. And then he went to India and he met a, a guru there, a teacher yeah. that he liked. And uh, he was talking to me and he said, you know, I, I, I like this guy and I think he's got a glimpse of what's going on. And I wanted to say, well, take it with a grain of salt because I'm yeah. very skeptical of anybody who says they've got God's phone number and address. I just... Boom. Always, yeah, as soon as they start coming on with it, man, I think, you know, oh, God, here we go again. You know, fairy tales. And uh, yeah. so I wanted to tell him to take it with a grain of salt. And I was chicken. I'll admit it right here in front of everybody. I was. I was afraid to say that to George Harrison because I was sure. so in awe of him. So I didn't say it. I wrote that song instead. And that's mm. what the song says. It's, I don't know if, you know, all these people that say they've found the truth, you know, and they know what God wants. I think a child playing in the sun probably is closer. I agree with you. you know? I, I do love hearing Joni so, Mitchell's voice and the harmonies on that one, too. Yeah, she sang great on it, didn't she? How is yeah, she doing, David? Fantastic you, you, singer. How is she doing? I don't know, man. I haven't seen her for a while. Uh, I did, a while ago, have dinner at her house with her, and, and she was doing okay. She's struggling back from a real tough thing, man. You know, uh, she had to relearn how to walk and talk and, uh, she can do it. Her brain is fine. It's still working. Uh, she can talk fine. She was having trouble walking, but she's getting better and stronger as she goes along. She's working at it real hard. You know, it's just a girl beat polio and beat poverty and beat loneliness and beat a broken marriage and beat how tough show business is and beat them all. So I wouldn't bet against her. I think, yeah. you know, things can be tougher to get manual dexterity enough to play. But I, yeah, I think she may, she wants to, you know, recover the ability to paint because she's as good a painter as she is a singer. So yeah. we'll see how it works out. I know I love her and um, I don't think she loves me a whole lot, but, uh, <laughs> I, but I think... I, but I, I do love her, and I, and I still think she's, you know, hands down the best singer-songwriter ever. You know, it's amazing that to me... Well, Bob's close. Bob's yeah. as good a poet, if not better. But he, he's nowhere close as a musician, not even in the ballpark. Yeah. 
It's amazing to me that Bob's turning 80, you're turning 80. And of course, Lennon would have been 80 last October. I find it so hard to imagine what Lennon would be like at 80 mm. years old. I'd, hopefully he would be less crusty and, and, and more open. Did anybody explain to you why we're all selling our publishing other than I had to? I mean, I think everyone has their own reasons, right? What do, what do you, what do you, tell me what you mean. I'll tell you a story. Please. I was asking why is this happening, and a very wise financial person who shall remain nameless said to me, okay, what you do if you're going into the market with $100 million is you take $50 million of it and put it in T-bills. Why? Right. Because they're absolutely secure, and you know exactly what they're going to earn. Then you take the other 50 and go adventure and try to make money. Okay, so publishing is 20, 30 years of records. You know exactly what it's going to earn. Same deal as T-bills, right. only it pays better. Hmm. Pays a lot better. That's why. Because right now, the next year, the tax structure is going to change. Yeah. You know that. Mm -hmm. It's going to. This year, this, this summer, it's going to change. Last year's taxes... That's why everybody did it. It would right. it made in in Bob Dylan's deal. If it was three hundred million, it would have made mm, twenty million dollars worth of difference. Right. So that's why it's happening now, and that's why it's happening. Wow. And I know of probably ten other artists that you don't know about that I do know about who are doing the same thing. I'm sure we'll be hearing all about it. But I mean, to me, as glad as I am about that, and as happy as I am for you. You know, what, what means the most to me is that you're still making great new music. I'm so looking forward to for free. And again, like these, these last four records of yours, Cross, Lighthouse, Sky Trails, and here, if you listen, I mean, there's very yeah. few artists that have gone through this kind of renaissance. I'd say, you know, I mean, Dylan did it and, 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 and Cohen did it and you've been doing it, but to be looking forward to two new David Crosby records, one, the brand new one, and then the reissue of, if I could only remember my name. You are still quite possibly the hardest working man in show business, even if it hasn't felt like work to you. <laughs> I got my feet up on the dining room table. Hearing me describe hardworking is really funny. Um, <laughs> I love you, John. Beautiful thing. Thank you for saying all these kind things about me. You're a nice man. Oh, uh, you know what? No, seriously. It's just like, you know, you, you've been so frank about addiction. You've been so frank about loss. You've been so frank about, you know, mistakes you've made. And things you wish you could take back. And that's something that very few people who've struggled with addiction can can do. And you've had to do it so publicly. And, and you know, beyond just being a hero as a uh, as an artist and as a creative force, the way that you have owned your fuck ups, David, and the way that you have redeemed yourself through giving what you can give in terms of music and your voice and just giving this gift back to us. You're a walking advertisement for creativity and art as redemption. And uh, that's one of the things I love about you. Seriously. I, I know I put spiritual stuff on it because that's that was my brainwashing as a child. But I want to come back and hang out with us and talk more before these records come out. And I know you're going to be busy. But, uh, hey, I want to work with you on your TV show because I've been thinking about this for a long time. There's a lot. There's a lot that you have to offer. I love you. I love what you're doing. And it's really, really a pleasure to talk to you again. I'm so glad to hear you. And I hope to see you this summer. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure talking to you, too. Say hi to your family. Say hi to Jen Haggerty. I sure Say will. Say hi to your crew there, and take care of yourself, John. Oh, hey, I have one last question, Cross. One last question. What, what is this new career I'm hearing about? Is this what we're talking about in terms of the—this the, uh, is the advice column, right? Yeah. 
Yes, the ass cross. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I love it. It's looking like they they I, might get me in program doing that, which is hysterical. It's I, mean, I don't even get to see the questions ahead of time, man. That so I'm winging it whenever I do it. It's man, a great it's deal amazing. of fun. So. Yeah, but it, it, to me, it's just another example of you just, you know, pushing the envelope and staying creative and keeping sharp. So thanks for the inspiration. Thanks for the music. Uh, get this new shit out. And I can't wait to see you soon. Take care, man. Thanks, John. Peace. Give my best to Jan. We're going to take a really quick break. I'm all weepy. Chris, that's that's David Crosby. This is, you know, he's the best. <laughs> 